You're listening to the Bulldog Hour, getting you inside the Wilson football program with weekly game previews, recaps, highlights, and interviews. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Bulldog Hour. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays. Sitting next to me is my co-host, Justin Raffoff. Yeah, it's it's crazy how fast this season's like going, and you know we talked about that last week, but it really hit me like uh, between the game Friday and today that you know, we have three regular season games done with the scrimmage. Like we're climbing down that first. Uh, down that first column when you put the schedules up. Yeah, we're jumping. We'll jump to the schedule already. Take a look. Let's see. Heat Week gone. Camp opens gone. Coatesville gone. Central Dolphin gone. Mifflin gone. Exeter gone. And we're ready for MLK. Yeah. So pretty far along to the schedule, which is crazy to think about. Well, Just like, three contests in. I know but. we're not quite there yet, but middle of this week, we'll be halfway through September. Like, yeah. that's wild. But. So moving quickly as it does every year. But we're here to recap the game against Exeter and attempt to preview the game against Martin Luther King. We're, we're finding it hard to find any information on the Cougars. They've only played one game so far, and uh, I've already told you everything I know about MLK. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how the rest of the rest of the, the show goes. But we'll probably spend the most uh, time talking about the game against Exeter. Um, there, you know, there was a point there where you were just talking about that, and I'm like, Wait, you already told me everything you know? Right. Because I'm like, you didn't really tell me a whole lot. And then I realized you were talking for the show. Yeah. And it's still the same point. Yeah, we we don't know a whole lot. We don't have a lot of information. We don't. But uh, that's why it's good to have someone else here that can add to the chatter. And welcome back. Paul Roberts here for, um, you know, what seems like uh, the 25th time in the last uh, few weeks. Paul, but thanks for joining us again. Sure. It's always fun to be on. This should be an interesting show, to say the least, considering some of the recent results. To be fair, all of our shows are incredibly interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, you know Touché. that. You know that. Come on. So, yes, uh, we're going to talk about the, the loss at Exeter and, you know. I'm sure that'll spiral into all kinds of places with uh, stats and research and uh, incredible internet discourse over the last few days. It's just a, it's a fun fun time, but really fun time. So um, up first, I just want to uh, you know just quick touch on um, the events of yesterday, marking the 20th anniversary of uh, September 11th, and you probably saw the, the graphic I put up and the school district shared as well. Um, you know, so we just want to. Take time to, uh, you know, introspective, retrospective, and remember everything that happened in New York, Pennsylvania, and uh, outside of D.C. 20 years ago. Um, a, a lot of people were bringing up, you know, where they were, what they were doing, and the way the sports world reacted uh, after the events. Um, and, you know, Wilson got to play that Friday night, you know, a few days after it, even though professional leagues weren't playing uh, it was a it was a pretty big deal, obviously, and um, like for many of the the seasons I have on uh, BulldogHour.com, the uh, the the write up from the local newspaper about everything, including an article about um, 
the the games going on for um for high school football at least across the state of Pennsylvania um and reasons why it should have continued you know I have all those articles grabbed so just go to bulldoghour.com uh slash 2001 and that should take you to the the season page and unfortunately um, Wilson ended up losing that week up at Whitehall, but I remember it being a surreal experience standing on the sidelines. You know, everyone was given earlier in the week an American flag for the back of their helmets, which wasn't a, a normal thing at the time. Uh, you know, pre- pre-game events, it was very somber, um, but it was uh, it was certainly an interesting time period. And uh, yeah, you can go and check that out on BulldogHour.com if that's something you are interested in pursuing. All right. So before we dive into talking about the game at Exeter, Justin and I just want to take some time to um, thank our sponsors here at the Bulldog Hour. Again, as usual, presented by my dad, uh, Bill Mays and Mays Sandwich Shop. But they're not the only ones that have helped us out around here. We're also thankful for the support from CNS Supply Company, Andy Herr, Marty Palm, and our three anonymous donors. And besides sponsorships, advertising, and in-kind donations, and visiting the website, the other way that you can help us best, as I know Paul was already doing when we went live, and that's to do uh, Justin's favorite phrase. Yeah, like and share when you when you see something you like, or you know, if you want people to see it, uh, share it out to let them know. Our next show will be in one week's time on the September nineteenth. Uh, same time, same place, and we'll recap the game against Martin Luther King and then preview the finer, final non-conference game against Mannheim Central, and the Barons look like they're back this year after a down season in 2020. So we'll be talking about them on next week's show. Justin, as he usually does, you know, jumped ahead and can't, can't keep to a schedule, so he already <laughs> talked about the 2021 <laughs> schedule, ha- where we're at. So I just, that I just like to make things difficult for of Joe, and I think, I think you would agree to that in many aspects of our friendship beyond the show. I, I just like, I like to be difficult. It's what I do. Right. <laughs> well, I, everyone knows that, so we're, we're all used to it by now, so... I uh, appreciate you staying consistent <laughs> right, in that right, matter. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So well, let's have at it. Let's talk about the game from September 10th uh, in Exeter. You know, Wilson traveled to Ripeston to take on the Eagles. First time since 2007 that Wilson and Exeter met. Seventh time overall. And if anyone was paying attention last week, we know Wilson was victorious in the first six meetings dating back to... Um, the late 50s, the early 80s, and then the mid 2000s were all they were all back to back years where they played a set of two. Uh, Wilson really dominated those first six games, obviously not losing, but three of the six were were, were bulldog shutouts. Uh, but you know, a lot can change in 14 years' time, and we knew as we have the three of us have collectively been saying all summer long, including through the month of August, of how good this Exeter team was, and we got to see that firsthand. On Friday evening, though, things were certainly uh, coming up Wilson in the early going. The Bulldogs jumping out to a 14-0 lead, uh, courtesy of, uh, I believe, an extra three and out. And then it was a three out. It was a short possession on their first possession. And then they punted, which 
almost ended in disaster for them. They got it away. Wilson drove down the field, though, and scored on a, a Brubaker to McMillan pass on, I think that was on fourth down. It was. Yeah, it was, it was fourth a, down. It was a big play, well-executed play, a great, great start for the Bulldogs. And then the next series, McMillan picks up a, a loose ball and takes it into the end zone. All of a sudden, Wilson's up 14 to nothing. But that's about where the good news stopped for Wilson. And Exeter ended up scoring 42 unanswered. Um which is, I just feel like another thing that I need to do research on because I'm not sure the last time you could say a team scored that many points uh, on Wilson without there being any kind of offensive answer from the Bulldogs. But uh, many people have had me digging into history books over the last <laughs> couple of days, and we'll get to some of that. But, Paul, why don't you take us through um, your initial thoughts um, as you were thinking them, or you want to tackle the, 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 the Wilson lead and the, and the disappearance of it thereafter, you know, <laughs> you, you take it where you want to go. Well, it was the Ryan McMillan show to start. That's for sure. And he's only a sophomore, 205 pounds. So definitely a player to watch. Uh, unfortunately on that first drive, Gavin Leonard got hurt and missed the, the rest of the game. And that, that's a key player. You're talking about, you know, a running back and a linebacker. Uh, he's been, you know, getting more carries this year, along with Jaden Jones, of course, and he's a, a really good linebacker. So uh, the injuries, I mean, it, it was kind of like an episode of MASH at one point there. I mean, just one after another after another, getting down to your fourth and, and fifth wide receivers. Uh, we had talked previously about the offensive line injuries. Uh, Brad Hoffman, as I reported last week, was was not the starting quarterback. Uh, but I don't want to take anything away from Exeter. And I know uh, when I was on your show before, I mean, going back to the preseason, and then also after week one, because I covered the Central York at Exeter game. And Central York was a state runner-up last year, has a quarterback committed to Penn State. And Exeter had a great shot to win that game. I mean, they, they were right there with Central York. Uh, I would say Exeter was the more physical team in that game, but they struggled in the red zone, and Central York ended up getting out of Don Thomas Stadium with a win. But I think that showed people, hey, Exeter's no joke. And when we went over the schedule before the season, I, I tried to point this out repeatedly, that if, if you think this is your dad or grandfather's Exeter, you're mistaken. Um, they have Saturday players. And what I mean by that is these kids are going to be playing in college. When you talk about J.R. Strauss, who's already committed to Villanova, uh, Joey Schwaffer will be a major conference, a power conference tight end. Uh, Penn State's tight ends coach was there. Maryland's tight ends coach was there. He's a 6'6 junior. Uh, he's a half-brother of Michael Mennett, so obviously he has good genes. He's not going to get any smaller. He had two touchdown catches in this game. Uh, you have Ty Yoakum, who will be a low-level Division One or a Division Two type of player. I, I don't think there's an ounce of fat on that kid. He, he reminds me of kind of the old-school Wilson fullbacks where I think he would much rather run over you than around you. Very physical player. Some tremendous collisions with Jaden Jones and some of the other Wilson players in that game. Uh, Anthony Cachese, who's only a junior, who's 6'6", uh, plays right tackle for Exeter. He's going to be a, a, a college player if he puts on some more weight. 
their quarterback, Colin Payne, is one of the better all-around athletes in the county. He was their leading scorer in basketball. So I think you know people are getting the point here. I mean, they have players. And we've all heard the saying about the Jimmys and Joes versus the X's and O's. I thought the Jimmys and Joes for Exeter were better. Now, people in West Lawn and Spring Township, Whitfield and Drexelwood may not want to hear that, uh, but that that was my perspective. Uh, and if you look at the numbers, sometimes people say stats lie. Uh, I don't think you can make that case in this game. I mean, you look at the total yards, you look at the rushing yards. Um, it was it was glaring how much that at Exeter dominated in this game. Eric Nangle ran for over 200 yards in the game. And uh, if people go to my website, BurkeSportsReport.com, I, I did an interview with uh, Colin Payne and several of the Exeter players. And Colin talked about Nangle all week at practice. He said, this is my Super Bowl. And I, I think this game was kind of a perfect storm in that for Exeter, it was their Super Bowl. I mean, this this is one of the biggest games in the history of that program. And then you throw in the fact that they have one of the best teams they've ever had. Michael Menich's senior year team was also very good. Uh, they're at home with a blackout. You know, their students, their crowd, certainly the PA announcer was very much into the game. <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> um, and Wilson was really banged up. Now... You know, I'm the chief of the excuse police, so I don't like to, I don't want to take anything away from Exeter because I don't know, even if Wilson was at full strength, if they win the game. But there are definitely numerous key injuries for Wilson. So you add all these things up and it, it turned into, you know, 42 to 14. But I was shocked it wasn't a closer game. Was I shocked that Exeter won? No. And I've, you know, I've tried to tell people since the preseason. I, I know, Joe, you said the same thing, that if, if people are thinking this is going to be 38 nothing again, you're just not paying attention to what Exeter had. And I, I was over there in the preseason. I saw them against Central York. Um, you know, it's a very good football team. Um, just like last year when you looked at Governor Mifflin as one of the best teams they've ever had, and they're back again this year. So... I thought Exeter deserved to win, um, but I was a little surprised it wasn't more competitive, and I was surprised at the lack of execution. Now, maybe that's because you knew quarterback in there, but issues with snaps, issues with the, the mesh point on those read option type of plays, um, just wasn't a crisp football yeah, game for I, Wilson. That's the word that I was just going to use. It wasn't very crisp after... Honestly, I feel like the turning point, and it was early, was when the after the the fumble return touchdown, that kickoff return shifted momentum to Exeter, and they executed to near perfection the rest of the way. I, mean, I just after that point, Wilson just like you said wasn't crisp. It, it wasn't good on either side of the ball, and we could see the war of attrition taking its toll as the game wore on. And then you know, then you get into the mental aspect of it, and no one likes to get punched in the face. Uh, and punched in the mouth, and um, there was no answer uh, at any point. From even even when an offensive drive would get going, it always ended uh, with a turnover in, in some form, whether it was on downs or um, via via turnover. 
So they were able to move at times, and maybe you thought, you know, it was 21-14, they're driving, and that, that one gets cut short. Then it's 28-14, you're driving, maybe make it a one-score game in the, in the early in the fourth quarter, and that drive ends without was points. It, was it 21-14 when Brady Klein had the pass down the sideline, down the Wilson sideline? Uh, it was 21 or 28. Right, I wasn't sure, but, like, that was one of those points where I'm like, okay, because even though he, he stepped out, he didn't though. Okay, okay, that's fine. Okay, I, I, his his cleats are white, and the guy who stepped out was wearing black cleats. I it? I really could I really couldn't see like from where we, that was all the way across the field for me. But like, okay, so he's down there, but it was still a big gain, and you know they've got momentum. If they go in and score, they're either have a chance to tie it up or be down one and maybe reclaim some of the momentum. Um, but it, yeah, I think I I felt the same thing. It, it felt like things shifted. Um, right on the kickoff from, you know, on that kick return. Well, that kick return, during that kick return, Josh yes. Drake got injured. Yeah. Starting safety wide receiver out for the rest of the game. And like you had mentioned, or just before that, Gavin Leonard had gone out injured. So immediately mm-hmm. you're down. You're already down multiple starters. Now you lose two more. And it's just, it just seems like that kickoff return was just a sign of things to come. They that Everything was an uphill battle the rest of the way for Wilson. They just couldn't dig themselves out of the holes that they were put in there for a variety of reasons. It was, it was tough to watch. It was rough, but everything you mentioned about, and you said they literally used the words that this was their Super Bowl. I mean, you could tell, I mean, there was all that energy and emotion and, you know, kudos to them for digging out of, they could have easily crumbled when Wilson went up Mm -hmm. two scores. Mm -hmm. When you're, you, you have this, um, thought in your mind that, you know, we've never been able to beat Wilson. Wilson's always seen as the, the best team in the County. Now we're down two scores. They could have just folded right there, but they didn't. And obviously it helps when you have players with the caliber that they're trotting out right there. And I didn't get to see Menet's senior season in person at all. So, but I know they were very good. Uh, they won the Burks Central right. one beat, that year. Beat Governor beat Mifflin. Mifflin. Um, I, the thing I think, and Justin and I talked about this a lot. Um, you know, it was a long wait after the game and car ride home. There was a lot of, a lot of talk happening. Um, Justin and I talked, we still, and I think now that these games are over, it doesn't matter to us because we're not going to see either of them again this season. I still think Governor Mifflin's much better than them. I, I do. I, I think Exeter is, is a very good team. I'm not taking anything away from them, but I, I don't think that they'll be able to hang with Mifflin. I, I just don't see it. The way that Mifflin operates, I, I believe they definitely have the talent to match up with the strength of the Exeter offense. And I don't know if Exeter will be able to withstand the, the Mifflin attack. Um, you know, since we're Wilson and the outsiders, I have no problem saying, I think Mifflin wins that game. And I think they win it handily. Um, Justin and I talked that if Wilson Mifflin lines up this year, I don't know if, if, if Wilson can steal victory in a 10 game series. I, I don't, Mifflin was that controlling mm. and dominating. I don't think that game was close. Um, and sometimes that happens. Like, I know, like, people were like, you can't, like, be giving Mifflin praise like that, or you can't think that they're that much better. And it's like, sometimes it happens. They have a generational team last year and this year. Right. Nick Singleton like, like, ain't walking through that door after right. this it's, season. You know, you know, I mean, they'll have a couple good players back next year, but you're losing a few. Eden and, and Nick are just huge components of that team. Trey Rock. Um, right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I, and I do, I just, I think Mifflin is better than Exeter. I think Mifflin's going to breeze through. Um, the Berks League, um, but Justin and I said like as as big of that vic- 
as wide as the margin of victory was in the Exeter game. I think if Wilson and Exeter play 10 times, I think they're closer to even. I I do. Uh, And I know Exeter will scoff at that. You know, a 28-point victory will tend to do that. But if you watch the entire game, everything we talked about. Now, maybe Wilson would have to be absolutely perfect to win a couple of those games. I just think that there was too many points in that game that one thing changes, it's a different game. And I don't see that in the Mifflin game. I I see what you're saying. Continually, Mifflin was better the entire time. And in the Exeter game, I can't say that Exeter would beat Wilson 9 or 10 out of 10 times. I cannot go there at all. And I think some Exeter fans might say, well, we threw a pick six and we also lost a fumble. So Exeter did not play a completely clean game. Uh, either no right right um but fair fair point right but a uh, little nugget about the Exeter Mifflin series Mifflin has won fourteen of the last fifteen against Exeter so uh, obviously the minute you're the only that was the right that was uh, and they had several really good players on that team and it was a close game in Rifton that that Exeter was able to win so they're gonna have to prove it against Governor Mifflin just like they they proved it against. Uh, Wilson, going back to the the turning point, I'll give you guys another key sequence. In my opinion, Wilson was still up fourteen seven when Jaden Jones makes the interception. Mm-hmm. They had first down at Exeter's thirty seven. So you have a short field and a touchdown lead. You score there. It's now twenty one seven, and maybe again, the Exeter players start thinking, "Hmm, you know what? What's?" Going on now, we've had another turnover here. Well, um, you know, we gave him a pick six. You know, now, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. You know, with the uh, or the the fumble return rather, but that was a golden opportunity, and Wilson didn't even get a first down on that that series. Right. Well, um, I felt like that was one of those times where it felt like there were stuff that would happen, whether it was it was a penalty or. A, you know, something with the snap, like, you know, just miscommunication, mm-hmm. whatever. But we end up in these, like, second and 20-something or second and 30-something, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it's like, and if you missed it, the PA announcer would remind you that it's, you know. Third and Maniunk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and uh, so it, it's one of those where, like, well, you, you're not giving yourself a shot at that point, you know, like, that's not – and especially in high school football, where like even if you get a pass interference penalty, it's not the automatic first down. Right. Yeah. So like it, you know, if it's second and twenty five, you get a fifteen yard penalty. It's still second and ten. You know, like so. Yeah. Like it, yeah, that that's another chance where where the first five ten minutes or so everything kind of bounced Wilson's way, and then it. There were a couple where it just it was so close, but it didn't. That interception, that drive after the interception, Wilson only had it, like you said, they went three and out. They had a one-yard rush, a five-yard rush, a one-yard rush, and an incomplete pass, turnover yeah. and downs on, on fourth. Which, oh, okay. Was, okay. which was wide open. It was an out. Oh, yeah. I, I remember the – it was – it was – that that should be a first down. It, it was a, an out to the far side of the field. Is that the one that slipped out of his hands? It, I think it, it was, was. It was underthrown. So, right, but right. that that was a play where Brubaker was not under pressure. I mean, there, there yeah, were. I'm pretty sure that's the one. There were plays where he certainly was. That was one I'm sure he would like to have back because I, yeah, if I'm thinking, it was open. 
it was one that as he was throwing, it's slipping out of his hand. Because mm. I think immediately, you, you could tell, I was like, that slipped right out of his mm. hand. And, and, and Sean was open. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. That's It's yeah. a first down. But that's what mm-hmm. I'm saying. Like, And I know, like you said, Exeter could say, well, if this play doesn't happen. I'm not yeah. saying we're winning if that you know that's a completion or anything. I'm you, just saying there's so many things that went wrong. If a few of them go right. I think it's a different game. Right. And and your I think your point is accurate that it was more competitive than the Mifflin game. Oh, you yeah. know, th- yeah. there there was really no point in the Mifflin game that you thought well, w- like, you know Wilson's going to win uh, this. You know, I Yeah, at at halftime of the game I said to Joy, I'm like I'm I'm encouraged because I'm like I I think we can win this game. It's 21-14, right, but yeah. like I'm like, and you're getting the ball. Right. We're yeah. getting the ball. I I think we can win this game. Yeah. Well, but I was like I'm a little discouraged cuz I feel like we we had an opportunity to really, you know, take control early on and we don't have that now, but I I still that that was not my thoughts at well, halftime of the Mifflin game. You know? Agree. Well, yeah, that's that's <laughs> Agree. true. Yeah. I mean, we talked about that that kickoff return that led to them cutting it to 14-7 and we just talked about after the interception the ball slipping out of Gannon's hand on fourth down. That next drive, seven plays, they drive down the field, Exeter ties the game 14-14. The, the next next Wilson drive, you start to see the issues that are all self-inflicted. Uh, a Either poorly timed snap or a poor snap. I think it was snap when the when they weren't ready. You lose, what, like 16 yards or something like that? That's, that's the play I was um, thinking of. I, I was a series off. Then you get sacked in the next play. You, you end up in, I think it was like third and 35, you know, you, you get a few yards back, but you got a punt and sophomore punter, Ben Rada had an amazing punt. Yeah. It was down to their 18 it, we're, we're, there. He's punting from what the 20, I think Wilson's own, you know, just outside the red zone and he flips the field position, yeah. puts it inside. And what happens on the next play? 82 yard right. touchdown. Since every time you thought something went Wilson's way, there was a breakdown or an mm-hmm. issue next and when he ran you know an 82 like i can't even remember an 80 a huge rushing touchdown against yeah I'm, i know it's happened in the 11 years that i've been watching all these games but uh have a huge rushing touchdown like that i just i i i, I was just in shock after well, and yeah. i thought is, something was going it wasn't, right it wasn't one of those like break through the line everybody was up close and no they had multiple chances to knock him out after like 30 yards and after 40 yards and they just didn't, and then he just went the rest of the way. Yeah, it was just a sweep that Exeter ran, and they give credit to their, their offensive line. I mean, those guys, uh, Lucas Plange has played very well. He's a junior, very smart player. Uh, they have a huge center in Kyle Helm, who's a 300-pounder. Uh, Anthony Cachese, I mentioned him. I think potentially he could be a Division One player. He's a 6'6 right tackle, and... Kerry Seattle, who's been a longtime coach in this county and is also the executive director of the BCIAA, he, he coaches their offensive line and does a really good job. In fact, I was at Why Missing yesterday talking to Coach Wolfram, and he brought up Kerry Seattle's name about the job he's, he's doing there at Exeter. And I'm trying to remember, Joe, if it was the season preview or after week one, we talked about Wilson up front. And that there were some questions there. Mm-hmm. And people didn't like it. Um, I will say I have not been added on Twitter uh, over the past two weeks from those same people. But it wasn't meant to be disparaging. I thought it was bringing up a very fair point when you lose four starters on your offensive line. 
and you also lose starters on the defensive line, I thought it was fair to say that is a question going into the season. Exeter averaged 7.7 yards per carry. Now, it's going to be inflated when you have an 82-yard run, but they still ran the ball, and we know what Governor Mifflin did Mm -hmm. on the ground. Uh, And coaches will tell you all the time, most games are one up front. The skill guys get a lot of publicity, and in fantasy football, that's all we pay attention to. But if you can't win at the line of scrimmage, usually you can't win the game. So I think that's one area that Wilson is is going to have to improve on when you look at what Exeter and Governor Mifflin were able to do. Now, I try to be a big picture guy as opposed to the prisoner of the moment. And, um, you know, sometimes with high school football, uh, people just go Looney Tunes after a game or two. But I think we have to realize who Wilson just played. Governor Mifflin had a chance to win a state championship last year, and I would argue is better this year. Exeter has one of the best teams they've ever had and almost beat Central York, the 6A state runner-up, in the first week. So I know some fans don't like to give other teams credit and only look for blame. I I don't work that way. I, I think... You know, when you look at a Nick Singleton and you look at some of the players for Exeter that I mentioned, uh, and another thing you'll hear in the interviews on my site, they all talked about, we want to prove this isn't the same old Exeter. Because they've had a history of struggling in some really big games and have had a number of penalties in those games. And that, that was a real point. And you could see it when they got down 14 nothing, as you guys were mentioning. They didn't UPS it. I mean, they didn't mail this one in. Uh, when they got down and Wilson had all the the momentum. But, you know, there's three games in. There's still seven to play. And we're back this year to allowing eight teams into the District 3 playoffs in 6A. You know, if I'm on Wilson's team right now, that's how I'm looking at it. Like, we still have seven games to go. Right. And winnable games on the schedule. So now you have to make a decision. And this is why I think sports are great, because it mirrors life. You're going to have difficult times in life. Uh, Certainly, I can talk about that from my profession um, not too long ago and what happens. So now, what do you do? How how do you handle that? How do you respond? Right. Do, Do you say, well, hey, we just got blown out by Mifflin and Exeter. Our season's over. Forget about it. Or do you say, we have seven games to play. We could win another section title. They've won a record 27. They can still do that. There's nothing to say they can't do that. And we could still qualify for districts. Eight teams are getting in. It's not like last year with the the truncated situation because of of COVID. So now the ball is in your court. How how do you respond? There's certainly plenty of motivation there. Just pop in the film from the last two games. If that doesn't motivate you, then I, you know, I, I don't have an answer. Right. No, and that's exactly what Coach Dom said immediately yeah, after say. the game. Yeah. He's he's like, you know, we, we took it basically we took it on the chin the last two weeks, but we're only through three games. Yeah, you're right. one and two, but guess what? There's seven games on your schedule, seven winnable games. Mm-hmm. And and you can finish eight and two with a section championship. I, I know it and I, I said this to Joe and and to a couple others last week after the Mifflin game. And I said, like, look, it, it's not no no one wants to lose that game, you know, like obviously, but I'm like, in reality, 
it only was like when they list out their goals at the beginning of the season, you know, I, I, I wasn't there for that, but I know that beating Mifflin's probably one of those goals. And I know that, you know, winning the section is Ooh. one of those goals and making districts, winning districts, like all those things are goals in reality last week. And the same is true this week. Only one of those goals is not there anymore. And that was the beat, beat Mifflin. Ooh. Now I, it could have been extra. I, again, I'm not, Privileged to what those goals, either written Wilson, or actual, are. But like, there's Wilson, only Exeter one of football those, isn't a rivalry. Right, I don't think that. Like, and that's not to dis. Like, I know. Yeah, they've only played like, seven it's, times. Yeah, it's the seventh right. time we've ever right. played them. Right. It, it, it's not there. It's a, you know within ten miles of the district, but like it just hasn't happened right. that often. So, so there's there's so much to play for yet, and and we we really harp on that, and that that needs to be kind of the attitude moving forward. Just. Look, and, and we talk about this. Now, fortunately, it, it doesn't necessarily play out like this every year, but we talk about this every year when we look at the Wilson non-league schedule. We're always yes. like, oh my gosh, like, what are we, what's going to happen? Those like, first oh, four or five games. No, you know, know? and, yeah. and, well, and, I, and we always say, and Coach Thomas always talks about this preseason, in the offseason, or in, in the offseason, or I, I guess really more preseason, when we interview him previewing the year, we almost always ask him a question about scheduling. And he's always like, you know, yeah, it's tough and you don't know how it's going to go, but it's all about getting better, right? you know, and learning who you are and fixing those things for later in the year. Yeah. And guess what? Sometimes those lessons are hard lessons, but if you use them to get better, if you use them to for motivation or whatever that is, or to figure out this is what we need to get better at, then it's not lost. And here's here's the other thing. Like, neither of these two teams, this sounds ridiculous, but neither of these teams are 6A, you know? So these teams are 5A. So we're not going to face these guys. And unlike Mifflin or Exeter in, in 6A, there are some really good teams, but there, there isn't anybody head and shoulders above like some of the teams in some right. of the other classifications. Yeah, there are basically. some years you can make a case that 5A is better. Not yeah. not often, but it it does you know, it does happen sometimes. Um but yeah, I mean and there are 24 seniors on this roster. So, you have potentially 7 games left. I mean, I would think you would value each opportunity, especially after what happened last year and wondering, are we even going to get to play? You still have seven opportunities to go out there with your friends. Have fun with your friends. Right. right. And, and, and you know, win another section title. Um, and I'll also say, too, that stuff about coaching staffs. Um, well, quick question. Name me. Well, we asked the questions here. Uh, <laughs> this is an easy. This is a layup for you. Name me the Berks County coach who has a higher career winning percentage than Doug Doms. I, I don't think I the don't one believe exists. it exists. That's correct. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. No one would be the. He's he's won about eighty four percent of his games. So have the last two weeks been really rough? If you're a Wilson fan, sure. But to you know, act like this is the apocalypse and not realize, you know, what these guys do and the time that they put in and the time they spend breaking down film and, you know, the X's and O's of the, the game, special teams, you know, trying to block punts or return, get, like analyzing every little thing where you could get 
just one advantage. If you don't appreciate that, I you know I can't really help you. I yeah. mean, I mean, no, I mean you know. I'm I'm right there with you. I I think it's absurd that there's and to be fair, an incredibly small minority of people that don't think Doug was the right choice for the job or don't or, or thinks he somehow has overstayed his welcome. And it's like me saying it out loud is like the most absurd thing for everything you just mentioned. And that doesn't take into account that he had already been here on hugely successful teams for 30 years before he got the job. Um, so I like I just it boggles my head. It, it makes me so angry when I see comments about the coaching staff because you have no idea you as a Wilson fan and community how lucky we are to have the the men that are coaching this team. If you have a problem with that, I think you should probably do some research about other schools across the state, but even just here in Berks County. Of uh, they would kill to have a consistently dominant program like this and that is by and large the product of the coaching staff they haven't had a losing season since 1963 period end of story i rest my case judge wapner all right bring in rusty the bailiff and Doug Llewellyn, the court reporter for fans of the people's court which i liked when i was growing up i mean you know this <laughs> And again, we have to go back to who they're playing these past couple weeks. And also, one, one topic we haven't brought up, but I, I know I mentioned it after the Central Dolphin game. When I looked at CD's schedule, and after looking at that team, I said CD could go 6-4 and four this year. Now, beating Central Dolphin, it's always a, it's a good win. Don't get me wrong. But is anyone going to argue that that was a vintage Central Dolphin team? No, no. Right. So what happens is you're coming off that high of winning your opener at home against that opponent, and maybe that got overvalued. And now you're going up against two teams who are better, who have generational talent. Um, I would say, and this is just hypothetical, outside of Cam and Jaden Jones, who would you say was a better player than the guys at Exeter had that I mentioned? Yeah, I, I don't know enough about the guys at guys yeah. at Exeter to really comment about, about like. But I, I mean, there I, wasn't anything in that game that I thought Wilson owned that they could say, "Hey, we we can go back to this and we can do this over." I mean, the first drive looked like they were going to be able to run the ball. That ended. That went away after that opening drive, and Leonard getting hurt certainly did not help matters. But you know, I think you just say, "Listen, Governor Mifflin and Exeter, this particular year, we're better teams." But the season isn't over. No, and people don't remember what you did in August and September, right? And <laughs> remember what you did in the playoffs. There are plenty examples of Wilson teams finishing. Seven and three in the regular season and winning a playoff game or mm -hmm. two, uh, and you know, making noise, it, it, it doesn't matter how you start, it's how you finish. And that yeah. there is so much still on the table, like Justin said, only one of those preseason goals can't happen, and mm -hmm. it's a game, yeah, it's a rivalry game, but who cares? You move on. If it's you much get, more important if to you win get the, the others, you it'll ease that, it, it'll always nag at you a little bit, but it'll ease that if you rebound and and 
work towards and, and maybe even get close to some of these other goals. I mean, it wasn't all that long ago that we were going through a very similar conversation on these shows because back in 2017 and 2018, the seasons didn't even exactly start as many thought they, they would, especially in 2017. They were sitting at one and two, just like they are now, uh, losing to Mifflin in the opener. They, they got a win at Springford the next week, but they lost to Central Dolphin in week three. So mm. sitting at one and two. And this is after a dominant run from basically 2008 through 2016, where very few teams were beating them, especially in Berks, Lancaster, 11 and counties. Mm. So 2017 was a bit of an eye opener, but that team rebounded. They, they, the streak ended and they lost the township. They didn't win the, the section title, but they won a playoff game and had to go battle a Harrisburg team. Um, you know, they finished eight and four. Like, how many other Burks programs would kill for eight and four? And, and Wilson's just like, oh man, yeah. what a year. What a year. And then in 2018, it happened again. Back to back, eight win season. Can you believe it? I mean, the, the audacity. Sky is falling. The audacity yeah. and, of an eight And win the season. program. Well, like, and, and it's funny because I was thinking this, the similar thoughts yesterday. When I'm yesterday morning, when I'm hearing like people, and they heard it a lot of this week actually, people on the national scale talking about how uh, Clemson's been exposed. They're, they can't, they, they're not on the same level as the other elite teams now. And I'm like, because they lost to Georgia, who also didn't score an offensive touchdown. You know, like, well, Ohio State's also done. Right. They're right. They're finished. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, people, people are, are prisoners of the moment sometimes. Yeah. Well, and like, and it, it's it is it is tough, and it's not fun. Like it's not fun to be on the other end of you know what you've been on the you know the winning side of these things so for many so long. times. Well, I said it last like, week. It just you know yeah, it stinks. But you know what? There's only the only thing you can do is work hard to, to get better and 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 I, I would I would stretch. pose this question: Is it better to have played Exeter and Mifflin and lost, or play? Team X, Y, or Z and win 42 nothing, which is a game you get. Sure, the fans are going to be happy and all that. What do you get out of that? You get nothing out of that. I, I always respect the teams, the coaches in, in various sports that use the non league and go out and play people, you know, because um, that's how you get better. You don't get better by beating people by the mercy rule every week. Now, sometimes that's going to happen. You, you, you know, most schedules, Wilson's uh, doesn't really apply to this. Most schedules, every non-league opponent isn't really, really good. Uh, but, you know, what are you taking out of your non-league schedule? At least now, if you're one of the Wilson coaches, you can go back to the kids and say, look, you probably aren't going to go up against people better than what you just ran into. So now you got a taste of where you need to be. Um, so I, again, it's it's motivation and it's the fact that the season is is far from over. So I'm a I'm a stats and history person. So as I mentioned earlier, I've been doing a lot of research for a variety of reasons after last week and, and this week and. You know, the first thing that comes up is Wilson lost back-to-back games. When's that? When's the last time that happened? Well, the last time that happened was 2003. Or excuse me, 
Yes, 2003. Yeah. I have the wrong one up. There we go. 2003. This this is amazing. It's been 18 years since they lost two games in a row. We're not talking about three, four games. Two games in a row. It's been 18. That is, that's incredible. I think we know who the quarterback was. In that I was going to say, <laughs> check out team captains. Yeah. So, <laughs> Chad, Chad Henney was the quarterback of that team that, I mean, can you believe it? Lost two games in a row. Uh, they lost to McCaskey in Lancaster. Then they lost to Hempfield in Landisville. Um, was that still Perry Patterson? No, no. This okay. was Perry Patterson. What it was Justin's was my, class, yeah. class of two thousand, graduating class of two thousand two. the oh, the year fall before, of two thousand one. Okay. Danny Melendez was on that team and went yep. to Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, Nikwan Lee Nikwan went Lee, to yep. Delaware. I mean, they, that was, in my opinion, that was the golden age of the LL. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. The Bryant brothers were at Reading High. Yeah. You jo- had Joey Cedar and I, Crest. Joey and I so many times were like back in our day. because <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> now it's approaching 20 years you well, know, like, since this team well, like happened, when we so. when we talk yeah. about wow. the you know when we talk and it's crazy because you know if if you tell somebody like oh hemfield or township or someone like that but when you say like no like wilson was in battles with cedar crest oh and, my <laughs> and mccaskey and redding and people were like what like yeah. the kids but like they were yeah, they Kids now, they weren't born. Like they weren't even in school when Reading and Mifflin were in the LL League. You know, like so. Yeah, it, it's hard to believe that's twenty years ago. Yeah, well, so yeah. N- next year will be. Tell me about twenty it. years since my senior year. You guys are getting old. I know. Oh. Tell me about it. I, yeah. I'm understanding that. Uh, yeah. But so actually, it's we'll get to we'll get to his year because that that one will, will come up here. Thanks. Um, but yeah, so McCaskey beats Wilson, Chad's senior year, 31 to 14. And then next week, Hemfield beats Wilson, 27 24. And I know um, there was a big stink about um, some call in that game. Uh, yeah, I'm off at college at this point, so I wasn't there for that. I don't know what happened. Um, oh, it's a, it was a fumble. Apparently, there's a fumble, but the officials said no. And I guess that had a huge impact on the game. Um, so that was the last time that Wilson lost back to back game. As you said, Nearly 18 years ago, like <laughs> end of September, early October 2003, there's an entire generation of Wilson students that were born and graduated between the time that Wilson lost back-to-back games. Uh, so, yeah, so that one sticks out. Um, obviously, you know, Wilson's sitting in a two-game funk right now. When's the last time Wilson lost three games in a row? So it actually wasn't... It was actually during, believe it or not, this is actually during the Chad Henney era again, because it was my junior year, Justin's senior year, in 2001, the, that we already mentioned during the 9-11 at the beginning, when Wilson lost to Whitehall, that kicked off a three-game losing streak for the Bulldogs in 2001. Uh, started off the season with two victories, lost at Whitehall, then the next week was the big one, shut out by Cedarcrest at Gursky. It was the first loss at home. At Gursky in seven years. So was that Brandon Kirsch and Jaron That Hayes? was their right. senior season. And then the next week, we went to McCaskey and lost to Perry Patterson. Right. So that was a three-game losing streak. So I was on a team that was sitting at two and three halfway through the season. Had to win four of your last five to guarantee that the the, uh, the streak would continue. The winning season mm. streak. Obviously, we could go three and two, and the non-losing streak would continue, <laughs> which is the one that dates back to uh, 1964. But 
we had we knew we had to go four and one in those last five. The playoffs were already out because back then only fourteen. Right. Made. Oh yeah. So we knew the playoffs yeah. were not happening. Yeah. There were teams that would go nine and one and not get in the yeah. the playoffs. So that was um, yeah that was the fall of two thousand one. The last time Wilson lost three games in a row. Uh, obviously, we hope that twenty twenty one is joining them, and we'll preview this next opponent, Martin Luther King, briefly here at the end. As I said, there's not a lot to talk about the Cougars. There's very little information out there. Wilson's never played them. Um, so there's that. But then the other thing that came up was, wow, Wilson just lost by 28 in back-to-back weeks. When's the last time Wilson lost that many games by that many points in a row? And we got to go back an additional decade to <laughs> 1993. Uh, but this is a great – and this team came up four years ago when we talked about the team starting one and two. This team came up then because I believe at the time it was the the last time this early in the season Wilson had a losing record to this extent one okay. and two in th- first three games. Were they still playing Pottsville back so, then? So yeah, so okay. this was uh, Shane Stafford's senior season at Wilson. The Bulldogs started uh, with two consecutive losses. The first two games of the season were losses. Wilson got shut out by Pottsville at home and then got blown out by O.J. Roberts at mm-hmm. home. Both games were at Gursky, well, at the Wilson Stadium at the time. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, 27 to nothing and 32 to 6. Wow. They lost the first two. Now, you think about the stuff online now. Imagine if social media existed back then <laughs> after <laughs> opening the season being outscored, what is it, 59 to 6 at home? I am sure everyone would have had a. Calm and reasonable response. Um, absolutely <laughs> certain. However, if you're watching this and not listening to it, you can see there's this banner on this season page, and that banner indicates a league championship. Because after the team started 0-2, they went 8-1 and in their next nine games. And they shared the league, ch- league championship with Hempfield. Wilson did lose again, and it was to Hempfield, and it wasn't very competitive. Hempfield won 33-8. But Hempfield lost another league game, so Wilson and Hempfield shared the league championship in 93, and that team could have folded after the first two weeks after two dismantling losses, but they went 8-1 and one over their next nine and shared a league championship. One of the biggest uh, hitters I've ever seen at Wilson was part of that group, uh, Gooch Adams, who also played basketball with, with Shane Stafford. They won back-to-back county titles, but... Yeah, and it, it, what's crazy is these streaks that we're bringing up where they've struggled had two of the Mount Rushmore quarterbacks. Yeah. And we discussed that in Chad Henney and, and Shane, Shane Stafford. Stafford. Yeah. I mean, it's it's crazy to think. But it also proves that it's a team sport. One incredibly talented person doesn't make up for everything that goes into you know the 11 on offense, defense, and special mm-hmm. teams. It's an entire team effort. And they're going to need a full team effort if they want to get back in the win column and make this a successful season. That game was uncharacteristic of them athletically, uh, emotionally. They can be better. They know they can be better. The coaching staff will make sure of it. Mm-hmm. So I, I expect to see a, a different Wilson team, even though I expect, and I know people are asking via text and in the comments, how many of these guys are coming back, the injured players? One, I don't know health information about the players. But honestly, I don't know that we'll see any of them back this week. Now, you had mentioned pregame, and we saw that two of the offensive linemen that were out for the first few games, first two games, were dressed. They did not play 
initially, mm-hmm. but they both did see the field later. Right. I Worley ex- and Dendel. Worley and Dendel, yes. Uh, sophomore Jack Dendel and senior Alex Worley both missed the first two weeks of the season with injuries. They made an appearance in the Exeter game, though they neither did start. We'll see what happens this week as you know the war of attrition took hold once again with both guys, I think, getting through that game healthy. I would expect to see more of them this week as well. But, you know, you're still missing a handful of other guys, some two-way starters. Um, and if I was... If I was someone, you know, if you told me right now, are any of them coming back? I would say no. No, I I agree. And so, just during the show, I got a message from someone, so I I would agree with that. That uh, the, I don't think you're seeing any of them. Yeah. Um. And I thought I'll give credit to Dendel for gutting it out, but we noticed even in pregames he was not He's moving. Not hundred percent. No. So I mean, credit to him for giving it a go. I thought Worley was moving a little bit better in pregame than Dendel was. So to have them back certainly helps. But, I mean, at, at wide receiver, uh, you know, we saw a lot of Edison Case, who's a sophomore. sophomore yeah. uh, and I believe or, the tallest kid on the team. Or <laughs> as or as the uh, as the PA announcer kept referring to him, Chase Edison. Like, <laughs> Okay, yeah. over and over again. I'm like, that's not it. Maybe, at all. maybe less exuberance and more focus. I was, on the, uh... I was not going to be the guy who goes up and says, "No, it's this name," because I've been in boxes where that happens too, and I'm like, "Look, like you know it." Yeah, but like, yeah, but he and actually. And he, he was playing a, on defense. And he had too. a great breakup in the back of the end zone mm-hmm. on that one play, maybe yeah. right before right half before halftime. Yeah. yeah, it was right before yeah, I mean, halftime. He had a shot and he knocked it out. So even if the Exeter guy came down with it, he was going to be well out of bounds. So like, yeah, he he. Uh, that was one of the things that I that I noticed. And if we want to look at things to take away, you don't necessarily want a lot of the young guys thrown in there and in positions where they need to be thrown in there. You like that if you have one of those games where you're up and the clock's mm-hmm. running late and all that stuff, but. Some of the young guys were stepping up, and look, well, there's a bit of an adjustment period, especially in a game like that. But when you, hey, you know what? Get in there and get experience. Still experience. And, and start yeah. learning. Well, yep. and he was someone that I think performed very well in the scrimmage against Parkland in, in the JV portion. And then he got. Coatesville. You're right. Normally it's Parkland. Coatesville, yeah. Wilson scrimmage, Coatesville. And Eddie Case played really well in the JV portion and then he got to uh, play in the varsity portion as well. And we got to see him now with, uh, you know, the injuries taking hold and he, he had got to play at safety and, you know, with more than likely TJ flight and Josh Drake out, maybe we'll see him more on offense mm-hmm. too. You know, when he presents a possible size mismatch, um, at least on the, based on the Wilson roster, he's, he's, he's the, he's the uh, size. They also have to figure, right. They have to figure out a way to get Cam Jones more touches. Uh, you know, I, I don't really care how you do it. If it's jet sweeps, if it's screens, I mean, he is so talented as you see in the kick return game to me on offense. Well, they wouldn't even kick to him. Friday. Exactly. Like they, they, yeah, they were. They were glad just yeah. kicking it out of bounds, right? Kicking the little exactly, like, which which is such a sign of respect. But to me, Cam Jones needs a minimum of ten touches on the on the offensive side of the football. However, you want to do that. If it's you know using him, like I said, on those jet sweeps or just targeting him more in the passing game, a minimum of ten touches because your best players need to have the football, especially now when we're moving forward and 
Leonard's hurt, and Jaden Jones, we're still waiting to confirm how long he is going to be out uh, after getting ejected in in the last game. Right. We should probably qualify that because I don't know if everyone realizes that because at the time I didn't realize it that when a player gets ejected, they're already sub- subject to at a minimum a one game suspension. So as far as I know from the PIAA rule book, Jaden Jones will be out for the Martin Luther King game. However, prior to last year, there was kind of an addendum added that mm. there could be some altercations ejections that could result in a two-game ban. And I know football coaches were not happy about it because the regular season is so short when you're talking about 10 versus 22 for yes. basketball and some of the other sports, you're, you know, you're talking in the 20s for uh, matches. It seems a little bit <laughs> excessive for football, but they said, no, all sports will be subject mm-hmm. to the same. So, you know, we're trying to get clarification on how many games, unfortunately, uh, Wilson senior running back linebacker will be out after his ejection Friday evening. Um, we have no inside information on that. And so. I, th- I think that new rule was put into effect because uh, PIAA was noticing an increase in the number of, you know, and I don't think it was just basketball, but sports in general where players or coaches were getting ejected and said, look, we have to figure out a way to put an end to it. You know, it's this is still high school basketball, high school football, whatever sport. Right. You need to conduct yourself in a professional and orderly manner. And so that's why they decided to increase penalties. And there is language in there about making contact with officials and other coaches. There's also verbiage in there about foul language and vulgarity, uh, which can equate to a two-game suspension. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that uh, situation. It's it's unfortunate, but that was something that was put in in 2020, and uh, I th- I think the PIAA really just had enough of, and I I think it was more so for coaches but certainly it happens with players too. had enough of like adults not acting like, right. you know, <laughs> which we're very familiar with over the last few days. Shocking. So, <laughs> shocking that the uh, adults are the ones that aren't so grounded and level headed. And it's really, uh, they're always making it out to be uh, the kids, but yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you have anything else, Justin or Paul to, to say as we wrap up the Exeter game and just, no, look I just, MLK? I, well, well, again, it's not ideal, but, and I don't mean to minimize the losses, but like they're over with, like it's done. You, you have to learn from it. You have to get better. You know, I know they had film today, like get better and start prepping and let's end this skid this week. You know, let's, let's take care of business on Friday. Don't worry about all those other stuff. Don't, you know what, if there's anything like we don't need to be worried about like, well, are we going to get the one seed in this? Let's mm. worry about winning this week, you worry win, about it takes winning care this week. Don't worry about what other teams are doing. Don't wor- just worry about winning this week, and then next week you, you shift your focus to Manheim Central. And the week after that, you shift to the leagues. Like, just handle one thing at a time. Let's let's focus on getting better, cutting down on mistakes, and being ready for MLK so that you can go out and play better. Because I'm confident that if this team goes out and plays better, that the results are going to start to be there. 
Um, you know, because some of it has been the other teams, as we've mentioned earlier in the show, but some of it is also just self-inflicted stuff. And you, you got to limit that. You got to make it if a team's going to beat you, that they're going to go out and beat you, not that you're going to help them. And so cut down the mistakes and go out and just start playing better. And as that happens, I, I'm confident the results are going to be there. Because like you said, you know, there's some there's some quality teams left on the schedule, but they're there were some really high quality teams they played the last two weeks. No. So, so like if, if they start playing better, I'm confident that things will turn around. I, like it, it's, it's tough for me to say this for sure, because there's a couple games pending that are, are unknowns, but I feel like Wilson may have played the two best teams on their schedule. Um, man, I'm central might take issue to that. I, I mean, I, I certainly think Mifflin was the best team Wilson was going to play this year. I don't know that there's any argument against that. None. <laughs> Absolutely uh, not. And I don't, I mean, Exeter, man, I'm central. That'd be an interesting matchup in the 5A playoffs. Listen, Mifflin was up double digits on Pine Richland right. in the second half last year. And not just my opinion, but when I talk to these players, they feel they're better this year. I mean, now you have Eden Johnson at quarterback, and Connor Marinak was terrific, but I think Johnson gives them a little bit more speed. He gives a, a different dimension, right. an extra dimension. Right, and you also now have a year older Nick Singleton. Bigger, who's faster, stronger. benching over 400 pounds. Which, and his, seeing his progression through the years has been kind of crazy, too. Yeah, I mean, he's become... Early in his career, he was trying to run around people, and, and now, I mean, he'll lower the boom on, but because he's not only the fastest player on the field. He's the strongest player on the field at, at the running back position. You have a year older Aiden Martin, who's starting now to get some division one attention. Um, you know, they, they had Trey rock. Trey rock had a yeah, like, yeah. really good p- player picking up where Strausser basketball. I do not. Okay. I don't believe I, I don't, so. I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't believe so. But yeah, I mean, they're, they're the clear favorite to win the district in, in 5A. Hopefully they'll actually get to play the game in yeah. the district right. this year. Yeah. yeah. And then in, in the Penn Live poll in 5A, they're ranked second yeah, behind only Imhotep, um, who actually lost uh, to a South College. Um, uh, oh. But yeah, the, <laughs> a heavyweight game. But um, yeah, so I, I would I would agree with that. Even you have to uh, turn the negative into a positive. I, I was talking with the Exeter players about the loss to Central York. And they use that, you know, as a as, building block. Right. It's motivation yep. moving forward. Well, so obviously we know Man I'm Central is still on the horizon. And then in the LL League section one, it's probably going to be, and I believe they're back to back for Wilson, Hempfield and Township are the two biggest hurdles for a, a section title. But in between there and this week, we have a complete unknown in Martin Luther King, the, the Golden Cougars from Philadelphia. Obviously, Wilson's never played them. The Bulldogs were supposed to travel to Philly last year, but because of COVID, getting rid of most of the non-league slate for many teams, or if not all teams, or some teams not playing in the fall at all, moving to the spring, or not even having a season. Like MLK, we're not even sure how many games they played last year. We can't find the statistics and the results for their records. I thought they played in the spring. Then I read somewhere that they didn't play at all. Then Max Preps has not playing one game in the fall and one game in the spring. So we don't exactly know what's going on with Martin Luther King. From their social media, I can say that they're, well, we know they're 5A, but they only have, I think, 49 kids on their roster. So Which, they're a small 5A. Right. 
uh, at least in terms of yeah. the number of kids on their roster. That's not a very big team for for a five A school. We do know they've only played one game. In right. fact, uh, I was talking with Jeremy Palm, Wilson's offensive coordinator, before the Exeter game, and he said, "Yeah, we have nothing on Martin Luther King because they didn't have their scrimmage, and their first two games." were canceled. I think one was because it was right after all the flooding that they had in uh, in okay. Philadelphia. And the other, I'm not sure if that was a COVID-19 related issue with an opponent or, or something like that, but they didn't have a scrimmage and they didn't play the first two weeks. So they finally played a game yeah. against Chester and lost a low scoring uh, game, yeah, but that that's so they have one film to that's go it. off of. They they hosted Chester on I think well I don't even know if it was Friday. It was Friday. It was Friday night. Martin Luther King hosted Chester. Chester, the Clippers beat the Cougars eighteen to six, and we were looking over the stats beforehand. There was no offense in this game whatsoever. I mean, the the Clippers Chester only had not even one hundred and fifty total yards of offense. Most of it came on the ground. One of the touchdowns was scored on a kickoff return, and Martin Luther King has no stats, so we have no idea how they scored. Uh, so we're completely going in blind, just like for the most part the team is too. Um, I, I like the the unknown surrounding this is just unbelievable. I've never it been in a situation. So often, yeah. yeah, so um, you know they they lost to Chester eighteen to six. They they play us this week, and then they have th- three more road games in a row, all against Philadelphia teams, Northeast, only Charner and John Bartram, before they get to return home to play, return home, it, they play at the Germantown Super Site for most of these games. Imatep Charter on October mm. 15th, and then Simon Gratz on the 22nd. Um, so yeah, uh, small team, their head coach is Malik Jones, I believe he's been there for a few years with them. Um I, but I, that's that's literally the extent of the information I have on Martin Luther King is that they're zero and one. They only scored six points. You know what though? They don't have like, a big team to kind of tie this into like the things we were saying just a couple minutes ago. Forget the not forget the idea. I know in football there's so much prep that goes into the other right. Team. Just focus on you. Oh, like, I totally focus agree. On you. Like maybe this is what we there's need so much in to the clean up like, from the last. Look, let's just do our thing. Do it well. And be confident that if we do what we can do, if we play like we can play, it'll be enough. Right. And honestly, if you play like you can play and it's not enough, there isn't anything you could have done anyway. So, you know, I, I think, I don't know, while, while it's really weird to say it, and I know I know it probably drives the coaches absolutely insane just not knowing because it's just not what they're used to. And we know they're like routine and all that stuff. Maybe this is, is maybe a, a step in the right direction where we'll just – all right, we're going to focus on what we do. and Yeah, let's, to let's me, it's get it back to fundamentals this right. week. I mean, you can't have snaps going by past the quarterback. You can't have the quarterback and running back running into each other in the backfield. I mean, stuff like that, that had nothing to do with Exeter. Right. That had nothing to do with Governor Mifflin. It'll have nothing to do with Martin Luther King. Yeah, that's all you, yep, right? Right. That that stuff. Um, Take that component out. Right. And that if if Wilson fans are upset at some of that, okay, you know, I mean that that I could understand. But we um, see that every year. Like honestly, it's not. It's just. Yeah, but I think the bar is to, so much higher. They've been here. able to overcome it in years past, and right now they're having a tough time. Mm digging themselves out of holes that they have well, dug themselves. Honestly, we, we kind of talked about that week one too. A lot of those mistakes were also there week one. It's just, 
You got a kick return score. They, they were able to overcome it. Right. It didn't. It didn't matter because they they won. It, right. In the eyes of most people who are paying attention to the program, it doesn't matter because you won. They don't. They don't necessarily mm-hmm. think about the mistakes and all the things that yeah. took place. They had a ton of penalty yards in that game. They had all these different it's, things that right. kept taking place. And Central and, Dolphin did not have the skill players right. to make you pay. Right. Like the, I mean, they were the running the did. quarterback most of the time, which is something he's they, they he's never very do. good. He's really right. good, yeah. but like they're always handing it off to a. a Bowling ball of a fullback <laughs> who also plays linebacker. Like that's what they always do. Yeah. Not as much this year. Yeah. So and crazy to think that you know, I want to go back to the time where we were talking about the players cramping. Like that was <laughs> right, where that, that was, was the, the injury story, issue, right? The that was the cramping. big thing yeah. was the players. lack of pickle juice. Yeah. 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 Let's bring that bring that in. Bring yeah. it full circle. I recommend Clover Farms ICT oh, for the I'm, record. <laughs> I don't know that they would want them pumping sugar into their system either. I don't know that. that I mean, I'm all for Clover Farms ICT. Like that is drink so, number is one. Is that the top seller at May Sandwich Shop? Because I buy to. it all. Because so, I buy it all. So like, when I would go up, so I was done with college a year before, before Joe was. So I would be going up to Penn State for for the games or whatever, and I'd get a call, be like, "Hey, stop by the shop," and I'd have like a package from his parents to carry up. And it included like gallons of ICT to take up the state college. Oh, I'm the same way. I should have doubled it up and just sold it because I'm sure there were other Berks County natives up there that I could have made a good profit on it. Well, no, see, the reason that I needed people to bring it up to me is not because it wasn't sold in state college. Miraculously, it actually was. Really? But it was huh? only sold at one rival sandwich shop oh. that I was not going to to buy anything. Like, I why would I do yeah, that? I didn't know that part. You're of a man the story. of principle. That's right, exactly. Yeah. Principle is a good word for the week. Um, anything else? Exeter, MLK, Wilson program in general. Uh, a lot of interviews again up on my website. Um, if yes. you you want to hear what the Exeter players um, had to say, Colin Payne, uh, Nangle, Schlaffer, who by the way just got offered yesterday for you Penn State fans. Yeah, he got yeah. offered yesterday. See, that's a sore See, subject so- here, Paul, because. Two years, I believe it was two years ago. After Anthony Ivy helped oh. Manon Township beat Wilson, he got his Penn State offer, and now Schlaufer helps Exeter beat Wilson. He yeah. gets his Penn State <laughs> offer. So it's one of those things that I don't know if I should be happy about yeah. this. But years from now, when they're in the blue and white, and I'll be okay yeah. with it. But Understood. In the moment, it's not. It's, it's not great. Right. It's not great. Uh, but a lot of interviews too from previous weeks with Wilson players. I thought the preseason interview with Doug Doms was great. And uh, for people who haven't um, gone to the, the site yet, I, I also not so much after the games, but the ones that I get at practice, I'll ask questions that are not related to football at all, just to kind of learn more about them, favorite teachers, hobbies, interests off the video field. Video games. That's it, it is. Yeah. They, all day. I should have bought stock in Madden, man, because every kid mentions Madden um, over Call of Duty. Those two, it's like over and over. What happened to Tecmo Bowl and RBI Baseball? But, um, Blades of Steel, Double Dribble, Baseball Stars, some of the Zelda, some of the Zelda. There the you go, classics. But uh, so all, all of that, and every week I put out my rankings on Monday. Also covered the Why Missing Boyertown game. Why Missing is one of the top ranked teams in the state uh, in in class AAA. Do, do they play Southern Columbia this year? They do. Yes, at, okay. Southern, at Southern Columbia. I saw Southern yeah. Columbia won, and so they still have their 
their like winning streak is up uh, to some yeah. insane number now. So that will feature it's, the sixty uh, some, isn't it? I think it might be sixty three. Uh, that will feature sure. the two active coaches in Pennsylvania with the most wins. wins all time. Is that in Roth? Coach Roth yeah. and uh, Bob Wolfram. They they have the most among active coaches. I think. Uh, Coach Wolfram is around number ten now on on the all all time, all time list. Um, so, so when I when I was in fourth grade, I think maybe right around there. Columbia, we lived in Columbia at the time. Ellysburg, not, not that one. So we lived next to Hempfield. Oh, oh, right? oh, that so Columbia. They won the not dist- Southern. Won Columbia. the district title. Travel up to um, Mount Carmel to play oh, Southern Columbia. The Silver Bowl. Yeah, to play Southern Columbia in the in the state playoffs. And there's a single A team running out 85 kids on their <laughs> roster, and we're there's Columbia with like 30, you know, and we're just like, oh man, oh boy, 30 like, with the coaches, right? right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you need one bus, you know, like it, it was just <laughs> it, it was an adventure. We'll, we'll leave it at that. It's but. a real shame that the COVID year got rid of Southern Columbia coming to the absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. I was I was <laughs> looking forward to going to that right. game, and then. When when the government and PAAA and delays and cancellations that that was that yeah was I think Southern Columbia initially made the decision they were only playing league, league games, games yeah. and that that's that's what initially a lot, a lot of right did yeah that. exactly right but that Wyoming team last year I mean there were seven seven all state players on that team in in triple a yeah. well, that would have been a tremendous state final and they were you know they exactly. had a battle in the state final last year yeah. so we'll see but. Yeah. Well, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks us. for I, having I, me. I know you said you're not sure how much more of the Bulldogs you're going to see in person, at least over the next month plus. Um, maybe we'll catch you um, at Gursky for the township game, depending on how things go. Hopefully, Wilson players respond and they can get go on a little winning streak and set up a big showdown against the streaks uh, at Gursky on October 30th. Uh, I think that's probably the next chance that you might get to see Wilson in person, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. And even if you haven't seen the Bulldogs in person, we're, you're, you know, we're always welcome to come on and talk <laughs> football with us. So. Hey, congratulations to your dolphins. Hey, I'll take it. Hey, one point <laughs> win on the road. Did you yeah. send a message to your uncle? I saw he was there today. He was there today. He was he at was, the game. He was season tickets. Oh, since nice. The mid, mid nineties. Okay. Wow. Yeah, he's he's that's, been in for that's a, long a dedicated ball. like yeah. Patriots fan right there. Yep. So yeah, he I believe he had him before Bledsoe took the Patriots to the wow. uh, Super Bowl, or, or maybe it was right after that. But yeah, he's had him since I'm pretty sure before Brady. Like he's a '90s '90s Patriots. Uh, he's lived up there for decades well, before wow. Brady is. That's really a long time. <laughs> yeah, right. Because Brady's in what his 42nd year on the <laughs> yes. roster. That's so, another that's man who would not go to a rival sandwich shop for ICT. <laughs> that's I right. I can tell you that. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, and you see, notice my, the fantasy football trophies that not down here anymore. Oh yeah. So uh, it's disappeared. Um, I know that was a point of a uh, discussion previously. Yes. Tremendous um, trophy. It is, it is a, By it the is way, a my trophy. fantasy team got to play Aaron Rodgers oh. and Saquon Barkley today. Uh, well, so okay, that's if I can't part. win this week, I'm done. Justin and I have Barkley in the league we coach together. So right, yeah. that was uh, well, disappointing. Partly maybe due to draft strategy. but like We may or may we, not have we, five Penn Staters on the team. Uh, right, uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, pick up Juwan Johnson. I know. Right? Yeah, we might you have to jab him. Well, yeah, so... We have see we got and we're playing at Coach Filer. We're playing Adam this okay. week. You know Wilson basketball yeah. assistant coach, and he was texting us during the draft. What are you guys doing? <laughs> and he's a you know we roomed at Penn State together. 
I mean, he's like, what are you guys doing? I'm like, look, we're not trying to do this. It's right, just the like, way the draft is falling. Like, Saquon was in the second round. He <laughs> well, wasn't yeah, like he wasn't we took him one overall You stuck to your draft and board. We, and right. It's and just then, the way they fell And then to. we went Allen Robinson, and then Chris Godwin was there. And then late, well, we took, we're the last person to take a tight end, and we took Jasicki. So you weren't reaching. No. That's we the key to a draft. Uh, now, maybe our Gotta last Got to stick pick, to your board. You know, our, our backup tight end was Fryermuth, just to, uh, you know, <laughs> you know we, we, at that <laughs> point, like, we were in. You yeah. know, like, we, we're doing this, right? And it's the last pick of right. the draft. Get one luxury pick. And we're nothing if not committed. So and, uh, we are blue and <laughs> white through and through. You know, red and white on Fridays, blue and white on Saturdays. That's how we roll, so... Uh, again, Paul, thanks for joining us. You all listening out there, um, live or in the future or past, I guess. <laughs> um, be sure to check out BurkeSportsReport.com for Paul's interviews and his rankings. Um, you know, football right now, but I know a lot coming in the winter and spring with at least basketball and baseball, Ooh. which is right up Paul's alley. So definitely check out BurkeSportsReport.com. Um, final closing thoughts from us. I guess my thing, Justin, is just a plea to the fans and the community to, um, you know, s- stay supportive, be present, come out and cheer, have fun. This is not the be all end all. This is, you know, this is just a high school sports team that we enjoy cheering to victory, but we support them no matter what happens on, on the field. And that's kind of the point of, you know, a scholastic athletic competition. This is supposed to be a tight knit community and let's keep it that way. Let's, uh, let's have fun. Let's get back to having fun. And I know winning cures all. So let's, uh, hope for a victory Friday night back at Gursky against Martin Luther King. It is also, I believe youth night got moved to this Friday night as well as the Wilson Football Tradition Club's championship team reunions were welcoming back players and coaches from the fall 1985, 1990, and 1996 championship teams. And I know the 1990 squad is coming back in full force. They make up the vast majority of returning players. All played on that 1990 team, which made it to the state final four, losing to Ridley. And uh, I know a bit, little controversial game. Is it 14 uh, to 12? Yes. Oh, I th- if it was, it was something like that. Okay. Um, I think you're right. I think it was 14, 12. Um, and that's a year after losing in, you know, heartbreaking fashion, right. in the state championship. The other guys, those are some of the best teams to play at Wilson, the 89 and 90 teams. And those guys from the, the 90 squad, you know, that Wilson class of 91 were on both teams that went uh, so far and set the bar pretty high for coach Jerry Slummer's teams. Oh, and by the way, coach Jerry Slummer will be back. Nice. In attendance, so, and his, his first win yes. was against Exeter. Exeter. Just yes. some of the digging that, that yeah, was going yeah. on yeah. last week. Yeah. Paul and I were talking a lot last week yeah. going through the history. Um, we were digging into the Exeter rivalry. I was having a tough time pinpointing some of the years and I eventually got through, uh, and yeah, you were the one that said coach Slemmer's first win was against Exeter and I found the article and I sent it to you. So you have yeah. to go to solid sources like myself and Joe, cause there was some stuff out there that these teams had never played before when they had actually played six times before. But yeah, one of the interesting notes was that, uh, Jerry Slemmer's first victory was against Exeter. Yeah. And, uh, 
there was a bunch of interesting stuff I found after digging into that um, pertaining to Coach Slimmer and Coach Gursky, um, and, and really Coach Dom's all down the road. I don't, I don't think either gentleman won their first game against Mifflin. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, I know um, Coach Gursky didn't because they, they didn't beat Mifflin, I believe, until '67. Uh, I believe actually Mifflin had won 12 in a row. An entire generation of Wilson students had never seen their team beat Mifflin. Um, this was in the fifties into the sixties and the first few years of coach Gursky. Uh, but I believe the 1967 game was the big one that um, coach Gursky's team with Bill Hawes and Mike Ritz uh, beat Mifflin and they went 10 to zero that year. That was kind of the coming out party oh, that for was, Wilson football. I think that was a team my uncle was on. Yes, yeah. you're right. Yep. Yeah. Cause when we had them back a few years ago yeah. for the tradition club reunions, your, uh, your uncle was, uh, um, was part of that group. So, and then Jerry Slummer's first year was, was that 83? I think 83. 83. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe they lost. It was a low scoring close game, uh, but a, a loss. And then coach Dom's first year played Mifflin in game one and game, I guess 12, that would have been um, losses. Mm. So yeah, the, those big, uh, the, those big three Wilson coaches didn't beat Mifflin <laughs> their first time. So, and I'm sure people will never let them yeah. forget. I was going to say. <laughs> yeah. Amazing that they were able to coach the second game. Right. Yeah. yeah. How, how, well. And the game after. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's not. We can go on in it forever about some of the, uh, the wacky and crazy stuff that has been said, um, knee jerk reactions. But that was just something I found after talking with you about yeah. the Exeter stuff. But it, it's funny you mentioned about like some of these, these games and the series history, how, not everyone has a grasp on it or it's tough to track down. And like I said, I still have a gap in mine. I'm still trying to fill that in. There's about a 20 year period that I don't have the game by game information for, but you know, you go to a source that was there and in it, mm-hmm. you know, he's coach Don's been there for 45 years mm-hmm. and I'll mention something. He'll be like, no. And I'm like, Oh, that's not what I read, but I don't <laughs> want to tell you no because you were there so i'm just gonna move on because i don't know where to go from here um that's funny when you well you got so much players coaches rivals mm. games stats you're never gonna be able to keep track of everything and that's what i'm trying to do with the bulldog hours site uh you know a year by year history season by season history and uh there's a lot more on computers than there is on the web and i'm trying to put it all up there for everyone to see so hopefully i'll get there eventually so that was my long-ended, long-winded closing. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I think I just summed it up like, you know what? This is the week. Just don't worry about what what we have like coming in or any of that. Just focus on what we need to do. Uh, get better. Um, you know, it's it's time to rally, turn this thing around, and uh, let's have a f- let's start with a strong seven finish here, right? Finish these last seven games strong. But that that all starts with this week. So don't worry about the last couple of weeks. Don't worry about what's coming up. Let's worry about this week. Handle your business. Yeah. And and it'll be fine. Tune out the noise. Circle the wagons. Play for you and your fellow teammates. Have fun. That's what it's all about. And that's what we're going to end. So thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks to Paul Roberts for joining us once again. Justin and I will be back in one week's time to recap the game against Martin Luther King and then preview the game against Mannheim Central. So for Justin and the entire Wilson football program, I'm Joe Mays saying, Go Go Bulldogs. Bulldogs! 
listening to the Bulldog Hour. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Bulldog Hour. Want more Wilson football? Follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Or visit www.bulldoghour.com. The Bulldog Hour is a feature program on jmnjrradio.com.